because I had writing as a skill, I was able to build up other skill sets. Uh, once I had that foundation, I was able to learn copywriting and then I was able to learn SEO and then I was able to learn UX UI design and things like that as well. So now I'm making more money than I ever could have if I was a, a business major or something like that. So it just it's just funny how that ends up working out in the long run. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of Beat Off Beat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Alex, who is a travel blogger at Alex on the Map and the host of the podcast Nomads on the Map, both of which focuses on digital nomadism, online entrepreneurship, and creative travel. So listen on to find out how Alex has been able to experience sustainable creative travel. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am super excited to be with my guest today. I'm here with Alex. Hey Alex, how are you? Hey Debbie, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. And it was so good to talk to you before our interview because Alex, you told me you live in Brooklyn. I live in New York City too. So we're like, oh my God, we're neighbors. <laughs> it's funny how in New York, it's like you live in a totally different borough, but you're neighbors. It's all good. <laughs> it's true. It's like, that. yeah, we're, we're New Yorkers. We're neighbors. It doesn't matter if we live like 20 miles from each other. We're still neighbors. <laughs> Absolutely. So Alex, can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I've lived kind of an offbeat life forever. I was homeschooled growing up, so I was really used to doing things a little bit differently. I did not attend a public school, so I had a lot of my own free time to do things. I determined my own schedule. My mom let me choose, you know, which things I was going to learn first. And then uh, once I got it done at one o'clock in the afternoon, I had the rest of the day to do whatever I wanted. And I really love that. Um, Once I went to college, even I had a lot of free time. I really liked the idea of being able to craft my own offbeat life. So pretty quickly on when I started my career, I went and worked for USA Today in Florence as their foreign correspondent there. And So I was working remotely pretty right out the gate of college and loved it and knew that that was something that I wanted to continue doing and that I loved. And I've worked remotely for several different companies as well as myself over the past, oh, geez, it would have been seven years now. And I've been able to travel all over the world, which has been fantastic. Can't complain about that. And (laughs) But yeah, it's it's kind of been offbeat all the way around, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So, Well, your background is really interesting, right? Because you were working, like you mentioned, remotely before this was like an in thing. 
and it was just a part of who you are, a part of your life and what you were already doing. How did that even come into fruition? Because back then, no one really knew how to handle what working remotely was. That must have been a really great company that you started with because for the most part, people didn't do that. Yeah, I got really lucky. You know, I was right out of college with pretty much no experience. I had written a novel that was published when I was really young, but that was my only real work experience. So when I got the opportunity to work for USA Today, which was basically, you know, going around and trying these restaurants and hotels and bars and writing about it, which was the dream job living in Italy. I loved it. I was really, really lucky and it didn't pay a ton, but the experience was more than enough to kind of cover the fact that I wasn't getting paid a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also Italy, so it wasn't as expensive as New York or the United States. So that was nice. I just really got lucky with that position and, you know, being early on in remote work it was kind of weird that I was doing it. It wasn't something that everyone was like, oh, wow, you know, everyone does, even, you know, when I became a digital nomad and travel with my husband later, that was more the norm. But even then at the beginning, it it was kind of weird. It was a weird thing to do. Everyone was kind of like, I don't understand. I had to explain it to them. And even then they didn't really get it. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to dig deeper into that, to those conversations when you were mentioning to people and they're, you know, in New York, especially they ask you, what, what is it that you do? This is, I think this is like an American thing, right? The first thing is like, what's your name? What do you do? (laughs) Mm. And for you to be like, I go around in Italy and I eat food and I review it. (laughs) How did those conversations look like? Because I can just imagine people's faces like, what? What do you do? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what their faces were like. It was it was really interesting because for the longest time, I don't think people thought I actually worked and traveled. (laughs) I think they just thought that like I had a ton of money, which, you know, I didn't and that I was just going around living my best life or going into debt or something like that. So really explaining it in the beginning and saying, okay, this is a viable way to work and live was almost impossible. But it eventually started catching on and maybe not necessarily that type of job that's kind of one in a million, but the remote work attitude and people taking their work with them became more of a thing the longer it went along. And so, yeah, no, that's, it's been really interesting too, because it used to be kind of a, a cool cachet to be like, I work from home. I'm a remote <laughs> worker. And then now everyone does it. So like, you're like, yeah, oh me too. man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not as cool as I was. <laughs> fine. Like, yeah, me too. I was forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hate it. And I'm like, no, it can be really cool. I promise. Like, it's a lot cooler than it seems. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing. I, I keep saying this. I think the people who are, were forced into remote work during the pandemic are not getting the real experience of what it's actually like, because this is not how it is, everyone. Like, you have so much freedom when you're working remote remotely so much freedom with your time you can do whatever you want well, obviously as long as you do your work but 
<laughs> that's another conversation in itself, you know, making sure you balance all of that stuff. But I actually want to go back to something that you mentioned, Alex, was that you wrote a freaking novel when you were really young. Okay, let's go back to that. What was this novel about? And obviously it was good enough for USA Today to like take notice of you after like you had no freaking experience and then you own like you wrote a novel and then they're like we're gonna take you to Italy and you're just going to write about food enjoy it and we'll pay you for it yes it doesn't pay as much but damn that's a that's a crazy experience what the hell was this novel about and what (laughs) tell tell us (laughs) well I've gotta be honest I'm a little embarrassed about it now because it's been like 10 years since Oh, it's been more than that since I signed the contract. So it's been a long time. But um, it was about Shakespeare. It was about the dark lady of Shakespeare's sonnets. Um, (laughs) And I wrote it when I was 16. But it got picked up by a publisher and I signed my contract at 17. Wow. And it was an amazing experience for me. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about marketing. I learned a lot about just dealing with people. Again, I was able to write it because I was homeschooled and I had a lot of free time. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. And it was. It was a great experience. I learned a lot from it. And it really did propel my career afterward because writing was always... Writing is at the heart of everything I do. I love it. It's who I am. So even if I'm thinking about SEO or I'm thinking about branding or I'm always thinking about the writing and the storytelling underneath. So... Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was really weird um, to just have that opportunity. And, you know, again, writing a novel is not as exciting to me now because I'm so much older. But at the time, it was really exciting. So that's a huge freaking accomplishment for a 16 year old to do that and then to sign with a publication at 17 and then right after college working for USA Today to pretty much live the dream, right? And you've worked with a lot of really great companies too. And now you have a business. And for you, maybe this is not something that you think about because this is your lifestyle. But I do know at some point or another, you might have had this conversation, whether people you know, strangers, with security, right? Income security. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, that's one of the biggest things that people talk to us about once, whether you're leaving your nine to five or you're like yourself, Alex, that this is really the life that you've always wanted to do is why would you do that when you can just have job security, when you can have, you know, insurance and money coming in securely every single month or every two weeks? How did you get over that hump or even if it wasn't on your mind, like having those conversations and feeling okay with that and accepting that as your reality? That's a great question because I come from a very chill but Midwestern background (laughs) where my dad is a financial advisor. So when I told him I wanted to go to school to be a writer, he was like, "Uh, okay, well, how are you going to make that work? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, okay, just just so you know, it's probably not going to work out for you. <laughs> um, and you know what? He was kind of wrong. It, it did work out for me. But I definitely have anxiety, especially when I was first starting out of, wow, I don't have the insurance I would like. I'm not making the amount of money I would like. 
you know, I'm living in a foreign country and what's going to happen when I come back or if I come back. Definitely all those thoughts ran through my mind and other people not understanding that life choice definitely made it a lot more intimidating for me to give it a shot. The joke is now, you know, um, because I had writing as a skill, I was able to build up other skill sets. Uh, Once I had that foundation, I was able to learn copywriting and then I was able to learn SEO and then I was able to learn UX UI design and things like that as well. So now I'm making more money than I ever could have if I was a, a business major or something like that. So it just it's just funny how that ends up working out in the long run. But trusting yourself and trusting that you know what's best for you is really it's not an easy thing, but it's important. Yeah. Isn't it interesting when you actually do what you want and then you build up that resume portfolio and things starts to happen, right? And I think most people, if it doesn't happen right away, they often give up. And Mm -hmm. I think there's like a meme or like a picture of a cartoon of someone who gave up and it's just only a few inches before they hit gold. And then someone, you know, who's who's who keeps pushing, then they finally hit that jackpot. And I think that's really what happens with most of us. You know, sometimes it happens a lot faster and then sometimes it happens later. So you just have to make sure that you're obviously learning from what's happening with you. So you mentioned, Alex, that from writing, you learned how to do SEO, you learned all of these other things from it, like copywriting. How did you do that? How did you learn all of these different skills? Did you take any classes? Did you go to school? How did this all come about? And how did it turn into actually in actual income for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I've always loved to learn. And again, I, th- I attribute this to having a lot of free time as a homeschooler and just saying, I'm going to pick up whatever interests me. I love to just pick up a book. I will read books on the dullest topics ever and find them (laughs) fascinating. (laughs) That's just something I love to do. So I just kind of also learn by doing as well. So I'll read a ton about something and then I'll do it and I'm okay with making mistakes. So that's a big thing. I do take some courses occasionally on things for UX, UI. I definitely had to take a course, but a lot of SEO for me was just playing around. My husband's an SEO manager, so he could kind of teach me the basics. And then from there, I kind of just learned it on my own. It really is just being open, I think, and saying, you know, I am willing to learn everything and then I'm willing to specialize and knowing what you're good at, knowing what you don't like and you don't want to include in your skill set is really just as important as learning new skills as well. And I think that's the the key point for all of this is trying things out and seeing if it sticks, right? If it's something that you enjoy, because then once you really figure that out, then you can drive into that and then you can start creating income from it. So When you finally figured out that SEO was a big part of it, your copywriting skills and obviously writing was a huge part of what you really love and you're passionate about and realizing you can make money from this, how did you get clients from it? How did you make money from this? How did you make the most you've ever made from from all of these skills that you have? A lot of it was just putting myself out there, honestly, on social media, 
starting to learn which places really I could get clients. Instagram, I learned, was not great for me to get clients. I loved posting things. It was fantastic. I got a lot of feedback because it's Instagram, but it wasn't necessarily the best place for me to get clients. However, posting on LinkedIn, which you only need to post once or twice a week on LinkedIn in order for it to make an impact, I was able to pick up people. So it really is just, like you said, trying new things, seeing if they stick, um, being open to learning new things and saying, okay, you know what, I might look a little silly doing this or look a little desperate or not be doing it enough, but I'm going to just give it a shot and see how it goes. And um, but definitely LinkedIn for me has been has been a big one when it comes to the clients and getting a hold of new people because it is so easy just to post once or twice a week. So <laughs> that's amazing. And that's one of the I mean, people tell you to go to LinkedIn all the time, right? To build your profile there, but to actually using posts, that's incredible, right? To to actually do that. So when you are actually putting in your post there, you know, once or twice a week, are you offering your services? What does that look like? Uh, for UX, UI design, what I just do is I throw up a design I've been working on. It could be even unfinished. It doesn't really matter. And then you just mention in the captions and say, hey, this is something I'm working on. What have you been working on? Or what are your needs currently? But I don't directly offer my services. I just kind of put it out there and say, this is what I'm capable of doing. And again, it doesn't have to be the highest quality of work, but just that you show that you know your expertise. Same with SEO. If you say, uh, you know, Google had an unconfirmed algorithm update recently, what are your thoughts on that? Have you noticed any tanks in your rankings, things like that? Then people are going to engage with that. And it really shows up on people's profiles just because of the algorithm, the LinkedIn algorithm. So that's usually what I just do is just kind of engage in a conversation people are always surprised and impressed and saying like, okay, this person knows what they're doing. I'm going to contact them and, you know, see what's up. Love that. That's such a great tip for people who want to start out and want to start getting leads from, you know, just creating content and posting. And like you said, Alex, not every platform is for you. Not every every platform is going to land you clients, but it's just experimenting and figuring out where mm-hmm. they are, right? Where they hang out and where those people will try to find information and also help. So that is a great way to do it. So thank you for that, Alex. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy to help. <laughs> So you have done this for a really long time, for years and years. And one of the things that can be really hard for someone to do, especially when they're just starting out, is to manage your time, right, as a remote worker, because there are days, I'm speaking personally for myself, where I just feel lazy, and then I will just like watch Netflix all day, and then before you know it, the day is done, and you're ready to go to sleep. How <laughs> how do you stop yourself from doing that, Alex? Because if you're not used to this lifestyle and you don't have an office where you have a boss, it is a little hard in the beginning, I feel like. Absolutely. And I think time management is something that you never fully master. Mm -hmm. I'm always impressed by people who say, I I know how to manage my time. I'm like, do you really? (laughs) Or do you just know how to manage it today? Because, you know, (laughs) 
it's constant. It's constant where um, what I like to do uh, at the beginning of the week is I have a weekly planner and I plan everything I think that I will need to get done by the end of the week. I also do it before I go to bed at night as we go over the tasks, the tasks that I need to get done immediately. And I try not to think too far into the future about, okay, next week, this is what I need to do. I mostly just try to focus on that week unless there's a huge project and I know that there's a deadline. But that has really helped me breaking it down bit by bit and saying, okay, I need to get this done by tomorrow as opposed to I need to get this done five days from now or because I I can't think that for <laughs> something I can't do. So really just, yeah, I think having those tasks laid out for me really helps. And other people do it differently. You got to do it your own way, but that's what helps me. Yeah, that is really true. I think day to day, it can be different. You know, it, it's not the same like it used to be before um, the pandemic, especially if you're traveling around, if you're a digital nomad, you know, you you have different days, like ev- almost every single day mm-hmm. is different. So that can be a lot harder, right? But mm-hmm. for me, I don't know how you feel about this, Alex, but for me, I tried the digital nomad thing for like a few months and I was like, this is just not viable for the lifestyle that I have, like, me trying to do work for my clients, finding clients, and then also traveling. It was just, it just wasn't for me. And I know a lot of people who have been able to do it successfully. I'm like, how the hell did they do that? (laughs) Because that's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And I think, you know, too, when I was traveling, what I tried to do is really limit my clientele. So when I knew that we would be resting for a while, maybe a month or two months, and we just have a place that was kind of our home base for a while, then I could take on another client or something like that. But I really tried to just keep it to maybe one or two while we were on the road, you know, and not really in a, in a secure place. And that helped a lot. It was still overwhelming. There were times where I was working really late and there were times where I didn't want to be working and I was. There were times where I was like connecting with the hotspot on my (laughs) phone and and with the laptop and like, I hope this internet connection works because I need to turn this in. So it is stressful. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's do the rewards outweigh that stress. That's, that's up to each individual Mm -hmm. and what they need and the kind of job they have too, the kind of tasks they have to do. Yeah. You're right. It really depends on each person, the company that they're working for, or if it's your company, it depends on your productivity level Mm -hmm. and what your clients expect from you. Because, you know, yes, this lifestyle is really great, but you also need to make sure it's sustainable and maintainable because if you can't maintain it, then it's not going to work out. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose trust. And I think that's so important to always remember when you are doing this lifestyle. I mean, right now, I think we're all situated, most of us in one place. So it's a lot easier. But once hopefully soon, when this is all lifted, like, you know, there's more mobility for everybody. So I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people are figuring out right now if this is the lifestyle that they want, which is kind of nice. So when you were traveling around, Alex, what type of travel insurance did you typically use? Honestly, I used some world nomads depending on what we were doing. I also had like a a credit card that covered certain amounts as well. So it wasn't a main concern because we were abroad so long. If I had U.S. insurance, 
it really just depended on what we were doing. Like my husband and I climbed up to the Everest base camp and we definitely needed insurance for something like that. If we were only going to be gone a month and then we were returning back to the U.S., then, you know, we would just do like world nomads or something like that. It really just depended. And I know that's not a great answer or helpful for anyone, but <laughs> it, it was one of those things where you just played it out by ear. And we were the kind of people too, where we would see a flight and we would just go. So insurance was something we thought about, but probably not as much as we should. And we were also a lot younger. And <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're invincible, right? When you're young. You do. And, and it's so crazy. And I used to do that too. My fiance and I used to do that too. We would just, you know, um, I would find a cheap flight. We just go there and be like, yay. I wouldn't even plan most of the time, but it's, it's so crazy. But I think right now, especially with the pandemic, Everyone mm-hmm. is thinking so much more about travel insurance. And as a remote worker, it can be really hard to find out, you know, because there, there's so many insurances out there with different requirements. And then if you don't have it, then you're kind of like done, you know, especially with COVID when all of this stuff was happening. I think there were so many people that were like stranded in the middle of another country and they couldn't mm-hmm. go back because their insurance didn't cover it. That's why I'm really happy that I'm actually working with Integra Global because they have a ton of comprehensive plans and they don't ask their members to build one because how do we know what we'll need, right? I mean, who knew COVID was going to happen? And their insurance actually covers it all and everything is built in. So if you all want to know more about their information and how they've covered everything pretty much check out integraglobal.com and see how they give you the coverage you'll need and maybe some you never knew you would again that's integraglobal.com yeah i'm it's so crazy how i've been talking to so many people about what they have you know like what do you do now how do you prepare to travel right now and the number one thing is like oh shoot do we need insurance like how do we make sure that we get the right one so ugh, it's such a crazy time but we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it changes everything. It really does. Like from planning from the very beginning to I'm way more into planning, thinking mm-hmm. about trips now than I ever was, for sure. You Absolutely. you have to. You have to because everything changes, right? Like, do you need requirements? I had a friend who was actually traveling last year abroad, and they were halfway there, and they had to turn back to the U.S. Oh. Because there were like either information that was missing and they changed information because every time it's always changing and they didn't have a certain type of like paperwork. So it's so crazy now. I know I'm like, oh my God, that sucks. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, That's stressful enough yeah. like with the visas and everything before all this. So yeah. Yep, so now absolutely. with with now like medical things that you need to, to have, it's like ridiculously crazy. So Alex, let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Mm, that's a great question. I want to be remembered for my compassion, first and foremost. Having amazing experiences, being able to travel, having that freedom is great for me as my day-to-day life. But at the end of the day, I want people to look back and say, you know, she was really a kind person and she really just made people feel good at the end of the day. Um, She had a lot of compassion. 
50 years from now, I would I would love to be able to say that I have a, a kid who's happy in the world, um, also who feels comfortable in the world. That was something I had to learn growing up, coming from a really small town in the middle of nowhere, Montana, <laughs> um, is it, my eyes were wide open when I first uh, was traveling by myself. And I think fostering in that new generation of just being open and saying, okay, we're going to go here. You're going to meet these people. You're going to try these foods is an experience I never had, but I would like to bring that to the new generation for sure. And yeah, just, I think overall, you know, when it comes down to it is, is my character more than anything. So. I think that's what people remember you by, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's it's interesting cuz they i mean it, i'm probably sure this is one of those motivational quotes it's like it's not the money that you make it's how you mm. make people feel right that really mm. has a lasting impression on on everyone and for the ones that you leave behind because i don't know if i'll ever be like i don't know like a who's like a big name, like a legend or something. I don't know. But mm. it's it's the people that you leave behind that's so important. So I love that, Alex. So before we say goodbye to you, I, wa- I have five rapid questions for you. So you have to answer it in one sentence. Okay. Ooh. Are you ready? <laughs> yep. I, I, I think I've got this. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. First question, Alex, what's the best money you've ever spent while you were abroad and why? Ooh, a hot air balloon over the Valley of the Kings in Luxor. Oh, my God. That's like, ooh. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you have, like, beautiful photos from there, too. Oh, my gosh, they were. And it was so funny, too, because that was really a big expense at the time. Now I look back on it and I'm like, not not so crazy, but then it was really expensive. So I was like, do we do we really do it? And then now I'm so glad we did. <laughs> yeah, because you said that's the best money you've ever spent while you are abroad. So damn. <laughs> so, yeah, honestly, I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, like that's still number one. Good for me. Okay. <laughs> so describe what your ideal day would look like. Mm. My ideal day, honestly, this sounds really corny, but every day I have with my husband is my ideal day. Aw, that's so cute. Really corny, but we, the journeys I've had have been so much more enriched when we are together. So it could be anywhere. It could be here. It could be wherever. That's so nice. I've traveled solo before without my fiance. And then I've had moments where like, this sucks. I wish he was here to experience this because it's mm-hmm. not the same when you're trying to explain it. Right. And you're like, ah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, if they love to travel, too, it's like, oh, man, I'm here and you're not a uh, <laughs> bummer. Yeah. <laughs> So where is the best location do you feel like to live in as a remote worker? Mm. I loved Melbourne, Australia. Mm. I felt Melbourne was a very good place for that. Great Wi-Fi, great people, great food. What more could you want? (laughs) What was the cost of living like there? Was it inexpensive as well? Uh, No, it was expensive. I would say it was probably just a little less than New York, quite honestly. But, you know, you do get 
access to Southeast Asia, which mm. is really, you know, and I love Vietnam too. Vietnam was amazing as well. But Australia, it was the most livable, I think, yeah. city that I've been to. That is awesome. And yeah, you're right. It's so close to Southeast Asia, which is so cheap over there, which is nice mm-hmm. and beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the food is so good. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. If you could have a superpower, Alex, what would it be? Hmm. I I think flying, which sounds <laughs> so lame, right? That sounds so lame. But I I have always, as a little kid, I'm like, I want to be able to fly. So that would definitely be it. Plus, you could just go wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. So that makes sense for you because you lived in like the boondocks in Montana. So you're like, I wish I could go somewhere else. But I do have to say, if you could fly, though. The one thing, would you be able to carry your husband with you or would he be too heavy? And you- <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Because like, he's sorry. like, yeah, no, definitely not. And it's like a joke because I'm I'm pretty small. I'm like five, two. And he's like six foot. Oh, my God. Like, so it's it's a running joke how small I am and how big he is. So definitely not. That is <laughs> like, so funny. You would need to have super strength as well as be able to fly so that you could yeah. carry your husband with you when you're flying around. Otherwise, you'd be like, sorry, you're going to have to take a cab, a plane, whatever it is that you need <laughs> yep, to get to where I you're am. You're on your own. <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> All right. What's the one thing you wish you did sooner? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I think learn to love myself. I think that is, I really do like who I am now, but I can't say that was the case for a long time. Uh, so I, if I could tell my younger self, you know what? As soon as you learn to love yourself, things are going to get so much better. <laughs> you're just going to enjoy life more. You're going to feel more confident. You're just going to, yeah, feel better good about getting up every day that's what I would if I could have done that sooner I would be a lot happier but yeah it's so crazy right that I mean it's not crazy I guess it's just a way like it just happens right you grow up when you're young Mm -hmm. you're very insecure about yourself you don't know much about yourself you're figuring things out And then it just happens. Hopefully, you know, you become more Mm. secure as you grow older. And I think I personally, I think that happened to me when I started to go out there and experience Mm -hmm. things. Um, Mm. Because when you're closed in and you don't experience anything, then it actually like the insecurity becomes bigger. But when you explore, you make mistakes, you get up, you do it again, you realize, oh, all of this stuff is not a big deal. It just, it's just life and you just keep moving forward. So yeah, it's, it's nice to figure things out that way too. (laughs) It is, you know, it's a lot more fun, I guess, than, than waiting around for it to happen. You know, you're actively saying, okay, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable and I'm going to try these new things that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think it does kind of speed along the process (laughs) a little faster than it normally would because you start realizing, man, I'm awesome. Like I figured (laughs) all this out. I did this, I did that, you know? Um, So I think those experiences, yeah, really do help a lot. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us here today. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? 
Absolutely. You can find me on any social media platform. Um, and I mean any at <laughs> Alex on the map dot Alex on the map. And then also my website is alexonthemap.com. So pretty simple. Love that you eat. You hear that? That's how branding is. She's on everything, everywhere with the same <laughs> name. So that's a good lesson for everyone to learn. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Debbie. I had so much fun today. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Alex. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to use SEO to build traffic and authority with your website. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.